Hello, and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Thank you, thank you, Jim. Thanks very much indeed. And good, good to see everyone. Um, welcome, welcome back. Welcome to the people in the North Building, people online, people that are new here. I know I spoke to a couple of people beforehand. It's lovely to see new faces and faces of old. I have to get the wording right on, on that one. The reading is, is very, very short. It's from John 7, uh, sorry, John, yeah, John 7, 37, just a couple of verses. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Isn't it interesting that uh, when we visit someone and they invite us in, uh, we're often offered a drink. Uh, You sit down and they say, oh yes, would you like something to drink? And most people would say, yes I would. And then the inevitable thing, what would you like? Um, well, what do you have? It's always awkward, isn't it? What, what, what do you have? Uh, oh, I've got tea, I've got coffee, I've got lemonade, I've got fruit juice and water. And being a bit cheeky, once somebody offered me that list, and I said, have you got, have you got anything a bit stronger than water? Uh, and they gave me an ice cube. But um, <laughs> not what I wanted, but probably what I deserved. The number one choice that children uh, would make um, is a fizzy drink. Now, I must admit they taste pretty good, but if you want something that will satisfy your thirst and provide what your body needs, a fizzy drink just won't be the right choice. They're high in sugar, they've got lots of calories that we don't need. And you might think that fruit juice would be a good choice, but surprisingly, they often contain as much sugar and calories as the soft drinks. If you want a healthy choice, the choice is clearly water. So that's how physical thirst works and how we quench it. You have to realise, first of all, that there's a need, that you are thirsty and you want to drink. There's something missing, in this case, a liquid. And you have to go to the right source. Now, sadly, many people look for substitutes. Today, if you walk through the supermarket and look for something to drink, you see dozens of options. Quenching thirst just with soft drinks, it's a multi-million pound a year industry in our country and competition is fierce to provide that one drink that everyone will love. Now let's consider these few verses that we shared from the Gospel of John in chapter 7. If you're familiar with the Gospel, then you've probably recognised that well-known bit. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now, we're going to come to that bit, but first, let's consider the setting when this actually happened. Now, picture the scene. Jesus is in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. For seven days, the Jews lived in lean-to tents or shanties or booths made of palm branches and leaves and tree limbs, a very sort of basic version of a Waypoint Church camp. That's the way they remembered the 40 years that their ancestors spent wandering in the wilderness. 
Though they lived in the desert with sand and heat and flies and desolation, God never failed them. God fed them in the wilderness for 40 years. And so for seven days each year, the Jews came to Jerusalem, made their lean-tos and celebrated God's goodness. But it wasn't just food that God gave them in the wilderness. He also gave them water. And when the people became thirsty and had no water, if you remember, they accused Moses of bringing them into the desert and they were going to die of thirst. So the Lord told Moses to take the same staff he had used to part the Red Sea and strike the rock at Horeb. And when he did, water gushed out, clean, fresh, pure water, more than enough for all the people in that desert. So each day for seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles, the priest would lead a procession from the temple to the pool of Siloam. And there he filled a golden urn with water and he brought it back to the temple. A trumpet would sound as he came up the stairs. I didn't get a trumpet when I came up the stairs. Is that something we could perhaps introduce? Okay. Um, When he poured the water on the western side of the massive altar, there was a choir of, I believe, something like 4,000 singers. One, two, three. 4,000 singers. Three. We're lacking something here. 4,000 singers and apparently around 300 instrumentalists. What did we get? One, two, three, four, and a drummer. Then, um, (laughs) it's what they said to me when I used to do the drums. (laughs) Why are you hanging around with the musicians, they used to say. Anyway, the crowd then, they began to sing the Psalms. And what would we have heard in the crowd? (gasps) Oh, it's too loud for me. Somebody would have said it. The people cheered and they sang Psalm 118, which ends with these words, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And the priest repeated that ritual every day for seven days and the people cheered for joy each time. But when the eighth day came, Things were different. This, as it says in the Bible, was the final feast day of that entire year's celebrations. It was truly the greatest day. And on that day, it wasn't noisy, there was quiet contemplation. The priest didn't go to the pool to draw water. On that day, the greatest day of the final feast, the day with no water, all the people were quiet. Everything comes to a great moment of joy, and there's silence. And then Jesus stood up and said, in fact, it seems as if it's a loud voice, he may have shouted it, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. The impact of those words on that particular day was enormous. On the one day when there was no water, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And the Jews understood him immediately. They knew Jesus meant, I am that rock that brought forth water in the wilderness. I am the true source of living water. Come to me. Believe in me, and I will give you living water from heaven. 
I am the God of living water that satisfies your spiritual thirst, not just your physical thirst. And as we look at those few words today, notice first, if you will, the openness of the invitation. If anyone is thirsty, and that's a pretty open invitation, anyone. And that's the way the gospel is. It's open to everyone. As Kat reminded us last week, if you heard it, the invitation was the returning prodigal son and his brother. The one running to his father with joy on his face and the one in the field with a miserable face. The elder brother. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's an open invitation. If you choose to accept the invitation, you get an audience with Jesus and the promise of salvation that is available to everyone. Now, some people have the idea that they've waited too long or that they've done too many bad things in their life or they've hurt too many people. And therefore, there's no way that they would be saved. But Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, and that's a very open invitation. And as we mourn the loss of Graham Woodyett, who faithfully served his Lord through this church and beyond, we give thanks for his life and the assurance that he accepted Christ's invitation And Graham led that spirit-filled life, witnessing to others and gently leading people to Christ in his life. Graham accepted that invite as he knew that God created us to have a relationship with him. We're created in God's image, by his hand, from his wisdom, to have a relationship, to be in fellowship and to dwell with him. And I think we should be thirsty for that. You can go anywhere in the world, any, any, among any people in the world, you will find people worshipping. Now, they may be worshipping trees or animals or a pile of stones or an altar they've set up or a statue they've formed, but you find people praying and you do find people worshipping. Now, God designed us that way, but without a true relationship with a true God, not a pile of stones, There's emptiness, there's a constant longing, a constant thirst that would never be filled. Jesus says, come. Not necessarily raising his voice like he did at the Feast of the Tabernacles, just gently, calmly and convincingly saying, if anyone is thirsty. There's a condition to our coming though, And that's that we need to recognize our need if anyone is thirsty. We have to recognize that we are thirsty, our thirst. There are a lot of thirsty people in our world. Aidan was thirsty. And by the way, the names I'm using in these illustrations are not meant to be people that we know. I've just picked names to create examples. Aidan had been working many years in a career that didn't seem to be going anywhere. And I hadn't heard your testimony. He was going through what some would call (laughs) a midlife crisis. 
As he watched his parents aged, he realized that his clock was ticking and time was running out. There are so many things he wanted to do in life, and opportunities to do them seemed to be slipping away. On his way to his boring work, he saw an advert for the Alpha course. He knew that he thirsted for meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And Jesus said, Aidan, come to me. Danica was thirsty. Looking at her, people would say she was a typical teenager. She was doing okay at her school and was in, into a few outside activities. She found it hard when friends fell out or when peers made comments about her looks. She'd never really been in trouble. But secondary school, not going to last forever. And the real world waited for her. College, jobs, marriage, family. It all seemed very scary for that teenager. Danica thirsted for acceptance and direction, for hope, for peace. And Jesus says, Danica, come to me. Vera was thirsty. She'd been widowed a few years ago, and the kids had grown up and moved away. Occasionally, she saw the grandkids, but less and less now that they were in school. And one day, she was at the supermarket, and she suddenly found a four-year-old with his arms around her knees, giving her a hug. And the child looked up and realized that he'd grabbed the wrong granny. And he ran off to his own grandma, who was further down the same aisle. And it was at that point that Vera realized that that was the first time that she had been hugged in over a month. And it was by accident. Because Vera was thirsty for assurance, for affection, for hope, for love. And Jesus says, Vera, come to me. And Jerry was thirsty. He'd made so many mistakes in his life. Some of them big, some small. He'd hurt people. He'd alienated people. He'd lived for the day with no thought for the future. Some of his relationships had not gone well and had ended bitterly, and this saddened him. He was empty. Jerry was thirsty for forgiveness, for joy, for peace, for salvation. And Jesus says, Jerry, come to me. Let me refresh your spirit. Sadly, there's something many people do instead of seeking a relationship with the Lord, instead of pursuing that one thing, that one person that can bring peace and satisfaction to their lives, they look for substitutes. It's not new. In Jeremiah 2, he wrote this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, you may not have dug a cistern recently, or perhaps you've never dug one, but you can probably think of something that you've built or created that was just not fit for purpose. It just couldn't hold water. It didn't last. And why? because you tried a substitute. Instead of looking for contentment in the one person who can bring that peace, who can fill that void and refresh our spirit, we look for alternative distractions. Work, yeah. 
we look to work and we try to find fulfillment in the things we do. Some people look back on a lifetime of service and work only to discover that soon we will be replaced and forgotten. And just when we thought we were indispensable. Now, I still work part-time at Winchester University. A while ago, I was told I was moving to higher office. I thought I was getting a promotion. In fact, they were just moving my office upstairs. Bit of a disappointment. They said, oh, you've got a lovely view out of the window. I said, oh, thank you. The cemetery. <laughs> Full of indispensable people who probably worked all their lives. And some of us tried to find our worth and our value in our families. Now, get this right, families are a wonderful thing. I could not be without mine. To hear one of my children on the phone excitedly telling their news, to hear a grandchild saying, I love you, Grandad. The greatest joy for those of us in that position. And God designed and created families. He intended for children to grow up in loving homes where they could be taught, where they could be loved, and where they could be nurtured. God knew that we need to be loved and to care for one another. Now, I'm very grateful for the family I have now, but if we seek to find all of our worth and all of our value in our families, that means that our happiness and our joy is dependent on other people creating the happiness and joy for us. And as we know, if those folks can bring us joy, we know families that can take joy as well. Those awful family arguments that can cause a rift, that never seems to heal quickly, or sometimes never heals at all. Fortunately, I have been spared that fate. God never intended us to find all our value from, and our worth from just our families. They can never fully fill the place in our lives intended for God to dwell. Some of us try to find our value and worth, our sense of well-being, from accumulating possessions and money. We work and we work and we save and we try to accumulate more. Or how much is enough? We always want that little bit more. And sadly, that's what we find when we try to come up with alternative ways to be filled and content in life without a relationship with Jesus. Work can be a distraction, but it cannot fill the hole where God wants to dwell. Families form and reform, they grow, they shrink, they provide love, but they, even they do not fill the space for God to dwell. Money may make us feel secure and comfortable, but it can't buy everything we need. Acceptance, hope, peace, fulfillment. In the beginning, that new career is fun and exciting, in the beginning, that marriage and family is exciting. Living on your own for the first time is exciting. That new hobby is fun. That new car is fabulous. But after a while, we discover that none of these things can bring the lasting joy, the happiness and the contentment that we are really looking for. Because you will never find true peace, true contentment, if you're not in a relationship with Jesus. 
Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, there in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And King David knew that. That's why he wrote in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And again in Psalm 63, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So what do we really need? What do we thirst for? What should we be thirsting for? Well, Jesus stood up and said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of rivers of living water will flow from within him. But here's the problem. Culture then in the first century and the culture in which you and I live tell us to find our security by ourselves, by our own ability. Our own fame, our own power or money will provide the significance and happiness we long for. Jesus said if you want to be happy, if you want to find significance in your life, love others the way you love yourself. Jesus is saying you'll not find happiness in the things this world offers. Money, power, sex, nor fame based on the number of followers you have on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, they will never quench your thirst. And Jesus is not just offering us a drink of water. He's inviting us to dwell with him and allow our spirit to be topped up, to be revived, to be ignited. Inside all of us, there is a thirst for life and for happiness. We all have that God-shaped vacuum in our heart that only God can fill. Some people think career advancement is the key to happiness, so they move from job to job. Husbands leave their wives for other women, still not happy. Wives leave their husbands for other men, and they're still not happy. Think of the story of the woman at the well in Samaria. When Jesus visited the woman at the well in Samaria, she was on her sixth husband. And Jesus knew she was not happy. Something in her heart was missing that even the sixth husband could not fill. Jesus offers her water that would quench her thirsty life. The water of life, the water that refreshes the soul, is a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the gate to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. If you are thirsty, come to me. If you want eternal security when your life on this planet comes to a close, come to me, for I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will be given eternal life. Don't worry. Don't let Satan hold your heart in the grip and fear of death. Jesus rose from death and the grave, and Satan was defeated. Therefore, get on with living your life with Jesus, the Son of God. That's why Jesus said, follow my example. Love one another as I have loved you. Hunger and thirst are not feelings that stay away. They return. 
So we feed them. We contest our spiritual position before God by asking questions. Do I hunger and thirst after God? Did I meet him in the word or the worship this morning? Do I feel low in spirit? Am I desperate for God, for revival, for blessing? Are you thirsty? By contrast, a sick person has no appetite. Spiritually speaking, if you cease to hunger after God, cease to pray, cease to obey, to serve or to witness, you'll be a living corpse. Alive, yes, but dead even while you live. We're hungry for so many other things, pleasure, power, popularity, prosperity, and Jesus says, waypoint, come to me and drink. And Christ departed so that the Holy Spirit could be imparted. Those who come to Christ find living water that satisfies the deep thirst within. Through the Holy Spirit inside of us, that living water produces a new life that eventually bubbles to the surface and becomes evident to others. Living water won't become stagnant. It always produces a dynamic, abundant, exciting new life. Even if we're older, feeling life's aches and pains, feeling lonely or unloved, we can still ask to receive the Holy Spirit as a permanent, indwelling, life-changing presence. To speak of streams of living water highlights four facts about the Spirit's ministry in the believer. One, he takes up residence within the inner being. Two, he flows with an inexhaustible supply. Three, he brings the life of God to the soul. And four, he satisfies the deep thirst inside every heart. And finally, this word picture, streams of living water, also seems to apply a flowing out from inside the believer to the lives of those around him or her. People should be seeing us and wanting what we've got. If we're dying in the desert, the most important thing in the world is a cup of cold water. But Jesus promises more than a cup. He promises a never-ending flow of clear, cool, clean, living water. Streams without pollution. Rivers that will never run dry. The Holy Spirit brings the life of God to the thirsty soul. That's what the Holy Spirit provides for us. He will fill our lives with living water. If we're thirsty, we're invited to take a drink and see for ourselves. Pray that prayer. Lord, I am thirsty. Fill me with new life. Refresh my spirit. Have you ever felt that you are spiritually on dry ground? Have you ever felt thirsty for more of the Lord? Have you ever felt empty and needing to be filled? You won't be alone. The Holy Spirit is God's answer for our deep inner thirst. When he comes into our lives, he comes like a river rushing over dry ground. He pours out his blessings and our lives, they begin to blossom again. No one needs to stay dry or empty or thirsty forever. We weren't made to live in a desert. 
God's river called the Holy Spirit can flow through our lives, slaking our thirst, filling our emptiness, covering the arid ground with the water of life. We cry out to God. He gives us living water. And we give the living water to others. Or we can say it another way. I'm thirsty. I'm not thirsty anymore. I'm full. I'm overflowing. Or if you want it even simpler, from God to us to others. What starts with God comes down to us and then goes out to other people. Living water flows from God into us and then deep from within us, from that belly of life, the river flows out for the benefit of others. Some people have the mistaken idea that God is just out to get people, that he looks for opportunities to judge and punish. Nothing seems further from the truth. The gift of his son, Jesus Christ, should dispel that idea. But think of all the invitations that were given uh, in the Bible. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Isaiah, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Again and again, through the pages of the Bible, we are repeatedly invited to have a close relationship with God. Why? Because he loves us and he created us for that relationship and knows that we will never be truly content without it. And look at the promise Jesus gives us in our reading today from John 7. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He quenches our spiritual thirst, not just enough to get by, not just enough to hang on, but enough to share with others. Out of us will flow rivers of living water. Can you imagine? Not just enough of the Lord and of his spirit to help you make it through the day, but so filled with the Holy Spirit that you are a blessing, an encouragement, and a help to those around you. That's why David was able to write in the 23rd Psalm, my cup runneth over. Not just enough, but more than enough. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And let me ask you, friends, is that the life that you are living today? Is that the joy you're experiencing today? If not, would you invite Jesus Christ back into your heart today to dwell with him? Do you feel that life maybe has come, become stagnant? You've allowed some things into your life that are robbing you of the power of joy and the power of peace. Would you pray this morning, Lord, change me? Jesus says, come to me. I have what you really want. And when Jesus shouted out at the Feast of the Tabernacles, when Jesus calls you now, it's because he knows that the souls of people will be thirsty.
They've tried relationships. They've tried riches. They've tried recreation, recognition, religion. The soul is thirsty, but can only be quenched by the Lord. So that summons, that invitation is for those who are thirsty. It's all inclusive of anyone who thirsts. Revelation 22 said it, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Let him come unto me and drink. 1 Corinthians, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. The source which quenches spiritual thirst, which fills spiritual emptiness, has always been Jesus. He is totally the only source. In Samaria, Jesus uh, met a woman at the well. And though she came there to draw buckets of water for her family and livestock, there was a thirst in her heart that the water from that well could not quench. So remember the words of Christ to her in John 4. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's the result of believing in Jesus? He gives us his spirit and we have a continual supply. We may need to top it up from time to time. Our spirit may be very low at certain times in our life, but it can be refilled. And the word flow means prolonged. It means an endless supply. The thirst that Jesus is speaking of in these verses, not a physical thirst. It's not from a lack of drinking water or liquid. He's speaking of a spiritual thirst. It's a thirst that mere liquid cannot satisfy. It's a thirst that alcohol cannot satisfy. It's a thirst that pleasure, entertainment, worldly relationships cannot quench. And looking at you, I cannot tell what you thirst for. Is it love? Is it comfort? Happiness? Hope? Acceptance? Fulfillment? A better prayer life? More engagement with God's word? You know what you're thirsty for. God knows what you're thirsty for. And he's given us the answer. God is near to the humble. So being truthful with ourselves and with God about all that we lack is the first step to drawing near to him so that we can access that living water that only Jesus can provide. If your soul is thirsty, Christ bids you come and drink. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for thinking that we can live the Christian life without the water of your power, your presence, your counsel, your comfort and conviction. Lead us beside the quiet waters, filling us with your spirit, making us channels of living water to others causing us to drink 
deeply of Jesus, the fountain of living water, the only one that can quench that deep yearning in our soul. Amen.